Hi, I'm Bethany Godso, the Associate Vice President for Career and Leadership Development at the NYU Wasserman Center, and this is All in a Day's Work, the podcast we've created for you. The NYU network is expansive, and each member of our community has an array of unique experiences. All in a Day's Work will bring you episodes featuring members of the NYU community doing interesting work and navigating the professional world. We're excited to share their stories with you. We hope you enjoy. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Sarah Rosenthal, and this is All in a Day's Work. We're sitting down today with Katherine Markowitz, an NYU alumna. Welcome, Katherine. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So, Katherine, can you give us a brief overview of what you did while you were a student here at NYU and where life has taken you since graduating? Of course. So... I attended the NYU dual degree master's program between Wagner and Skirball, which was an MPA from Wagner, where I concentrated in management and an MA in Hebrew and Judaic studies from NYU Skirball. Before attending NYU, I had started a career in Jewish nonprofits, which is also what my graduate degree focused in. And I continued to work in that for a few years post-graduation as well, rising kind of through different roles and ranks. And then about two years ago now, I decided to make a switch professionally into commercial theater producing. What exactly do you do as a producer? That is a great question. Um, So in general, a producer or a lead producer in particular essentially is the CEO of a theater production. A lot of what I've done up until now is fundraising, is raising money for commercial productions. It is really expensive to mount a theatrical production, especially on Broadway, and requires a lot of people raising money and investing money to make that a reality. You know, it's a lot of project management, it's budgeting, it's working with people of all different skills and different industries. So you work with marketing, advertising, the general managers who are dealing with the budget and the unions, you're dealing with the creative team, the actors, the buck stops with the producer in a lot of ways. So when you decided to make this career transition about two years ago, what allowed you to make that decision? And what sort of things did you have to do to get your foot in the door? In terms of why I decided to make the transition, I was enjoying my career previously, but I definitely felt like something was missing for me in life. I had grown up doing theater and had originally gone to undergrad as as an actor, as a as an acting major. I realized pretty quickly that the life of an actor wasn't one I was particularly interested in. I'm a little too type A to make that work for me and kind of didn't really realize there were roles in theater beyond performing, directing, or stage managing necessarily. And so I had kind of fallen into the Jewish nonprofit world and had been pretty happy, but it felt something was missing. And I was really two years ago looking for some change in my life and I began to evaluate you know, what is it in my life that I really missed? And it was theater. And started taking informational interviews with producers. And that was a huge part in allowing me to make this transition and figuring out what is it that a producer does? What skills do they need to have? And, you know, am I someone that could be a producer? Because it seems like a really cool, a cool job. 
So for somebody who maybe hasn't done an informational interview before, what are the things that you did to prepare for that? You know, how did you decide who to reach out to? What kinds of questions? You know, I'm looking at theater. So for me, it was what shows do I love? What are the kind of theatrical projects I would imagine that I would want to be a part of if I were to be in the industry? And looking up who are the producers of those projects and sending emails to them asking for 10, 15 minutes, you know, whether it was bring coffee to their office, I could do a phone call, I could do a Zoom meeting, though it was a little before everyone was Zooming, um, and figuring out what was the journey that got them to where they are in their career. Theater is a really interesting industry, unlike other things where you don't get promoted. No one gives you permission to be a producer or be a lead producer for the most part. There's exceptions. But it's not like in law where you enter kind of as a summer intern, then you become an associate and you work your way up to partner and that's your path. You can just decide to be a producer. But at the same time, there's a lot of skills that are required. And I wanted to know from different producers, what were their paths to being successful What skills did they think were necessary? What experience did they think I was lacking? So that was kind of what I really focused on. And also just what they did, especially at the very beginning of my informational interview process. It was just understanding what is it that these producers did day in and day out? And was that something that I was interested in doing long term? So having already built a career for yourself in the Jewish nonprofit world, What was it like going back to being an intern when you made this switch over to producing? I'm not going to lie. It was tough. It was definitely a little bit of an ego check. Leaving a relatively highly paid position and taking an unpaid internship really kind of made me really have to commit to wanting to learn in this industry. And it wasn't about me or it wasn't about my ego. At the same time, though, there were definitely challenges being a older intern with experience and working at a place that sometimes struggled, I think, to understand how to use someone that already had professional experience versus a current college student who hadn't worked professionally. But at the same time, it was important for me to be humble and recognize that I hadn't been in this space professionally and I had a lot to learn, even if it just meant listening in on conversations. Can you elaborate a little bit on what you mean by the organizations needing to figure out how to use you as an intern? I think traditionally, the interns that this place had were doing, you know, just a lot of the basic office administrative, you know, office work. And for me, I had a background in project management. I had experience with PR and social media and marketing and other things. And so I had to advocate actively for myself and say, use me. Like, I understand that, you know, I'm an intern and I'm happy to do all those lower level tasks, but I can also add a lot more to the work that I'm doing than you might, you know, automatically think of. I I think in general, no one is going to toot your horn. You have to toot your own horn, especially in a professional setting. And they, they didn't know what I was capable of. I had gone in and had a half an hour interview when I was interviewing for the job with one of the assistants. And, you know, I wasn't with the actual producer I even interviewed with. So it was really up to me to really show them what I was capable of. We'll be right back to our episode after this quick tip from Miriam Miller. 
I want to talk a little bit about the difference between an existing versus an expanded network. An existing network is the network that people often think of first. So the existing network are people like your friends, your family, your classmates, maybe your professors, neighbors, people like that. But an expanded network are oftentimes forgotten about by people when they're going through a job search or even just thinking about doing further exploration in their careers. An expanded network often will include people like alumni from your university, people who might be part of professional associations that you're part of, people who you might meet at networking events, or other people a little bit beyond your more specific sphere. So for example, friends of friends or friends of friends of friends, that would be your expanded network. And oftentimes, even in your own existing network, you may not find people who can help with exactly what your needs are, whether that's a search or exploration or some information gathering. But oftentimes, because our expanded network is exponentially larger, it's really, really helpful to remember that that is something that you have access to as well and that it's a really, really helpful tool to tap into. So definitely make sure that if you're going through a process, that you're aware of the fact that both networks actually do exist. And now, back to our episode. What advice do you have for somebody who might be interested in getting into this kind of industry? I think you just have to show up. I think you have to make yourself known and, you know, you have to find your people. It is completely an industry that is built on relationships and making Finding the people that you want to work with and that you trust will get you to where you need to go. Having a clear vision also of what kind of work you want to do. There are so many people making theater of all different types and it's tempting to get involved in a lot of it. But I think having a mission statement, and that's what I kind of have also taken from my nonprofit work, and I created a mission for myself with producing to kind of guide and be my guiding light through projects and picking projects to join. It's do these things, check the boxes of what I want to be as a producer. And I think that's really useful to someone who's entering in the industry is you don't have to say yes to everything. You should only say yes to what you're really passionate about. I'm so glad you talked a little bit about passion also. We know you were involved with What the Constitution Means to Me when it was on Broadway. Tell us just a little bit about how that mission and that passion sort of translate into deciding which projects to be involved with. I connect to theater that is based in some form of reality. That is just personally what I love. So that's been a really important part of my mission. I'm also, I will not work on a project that does not have women and or people of color on the creative team. Those are voices I want to support and feel passionate about deserving and needing to have a place at the table. So that's, those are the first criteria before I even really delve into a project. And then at the end of the day, I need to feel that this is a piece of theater that I desperately want to see and I think the world should see before I can go and ask anyone for money to be a part of this. And also, additionally, I have to believe it can be commercially successful and that there's an audience for it. I mean, what the Constitution means to me checked all of those boxes. I saw it off-Broadway and just fell in love with the piece. I fell in love with what it was saying. It felt like it spoke to me directly and I just felt like the world 
needed to see this. Additionally, I thought the lead producers were brilliant. They still are. Um, and I trusted them. And that's been really important also in terms of choosing projects to get involved in is do I trust the other people involved? Theater is extremely risky. Only about one in four shows recoup their initial investment. So I have to know that even if for some reason things go horribly wrong and the show loses its money, that the people I'm inviting to be a part of it are still going to feel really, really good about the experience and the show. Additionally, though, the numbers have to make sense. And that also, from NYU, I mean, Wagner really taught me a lot about budgets. And professionally, I had also learned. So understanding how to look at a budget critically and know if the numbers really make sense. You know, you're looking at millions of dollars for Broadway productions and these budgets. Where are Where's the reality of what a show could make? And is that financially solvent? Let's talk a little bit about the other transition that you recently went through. You had a baby back in January. How would you describe what the theater industry has been like for working parents? And, you know, what changes have you seen really in this since New York City theater first shut down in March 2020? What was really interesting is I honestly just didn't see a lot of working parents when I first started. There were a number of people with older kids, but I didn't really encounter a lot of people with younger kids and babies. I mean, there are, I've heard there are others and now I've, I've met some of them, but traditionally it was also a male driven industry. And I do know there are people who made a choice to have a family or have this career. And that's a choice that I don't think needs to be made. I think you can you can have it all, but you can have both of these things. And there are definitely some moments of, unfortunately, when I was pregnant, some kind of awkward interactions. But I've also been able to find a, a network, especially of female producers, who are just so incredibly supportive Again, as I mentioned earlier, theater played such a huge role in my life growing up, and I can't wait to expose my daughter to that as well as she gets older. And then in terms of the pandemic, I mean, what's been so interesting since March is theater in a lot of ways has just kind of stopped. I mean, people are continuing to work, but there's no live theater happening, at least in New York. And so in some ways, I think as a new parent, it's been a a gift that I've been able to spend this time with my child. And that's not something I was necessarily expecting to have in this way. Right around the time the pandemic started, it was when I was planning to get back to work, was starting to take meetings again and look at projects. But in some ways, I've been given this gift of time and have been able to work around her nap schedule as much as possible. Well, we're very glad that this time was able to work around that schedule for sure. Of course, as long as she doesn't wake up. Let's let's keep our fingers crossed. You talked a little bit about how in this pandemic that a lot of theater has just stopped. What would you say the impact of, you know, that shutdown has been on on your career and and how has that been for you? I'm trying to see it as a glass half full thing first and foremost. In some ways, I had a little bit of a challenging pregnancy. So kind of through my pregnancy, I started to take a little bit of a backseat. 
I'm not grateful at all for this happening, but it has given me a chance to kind of get on the same page as everyone else and catch up a little bit. I mean, also, I didn't mention this earlier, but just starting new in the industry, a lot of what I have felt is that I'm constantly playing catch up with people of a similar age who have just been doing this since they were in college or fresh after. So this has actually kind of given me an opportunity to get on the same page as much as I can. And also, I think for the industry as a whole, I'm really, really hoping that this is a chance for us all to reevaluate what kind of theater we're producing and how we're working, both in terms of safety for our audiences, for our actors, for people behind the scenes, you know, relooking at policies and how to make it from a health perspective safer for everyone, but also you know, we're in this incredible moment in our country socially. And I think hoping and praying that theater isn't able just to now do the lip service of diversity and equity, but is really committed to making those changes and creating theater that is more equitable and interesting and appeals to a variety of audiences and tells different stories and not just kind of the same story in and out again. That's like really exciting for me and I know for a bunch of other producers as well that this time is in some ways a gift to really look at that and commit to making much needed change in the industry. I think that is such a great note to go out on. So Catherine, thank you again so much for taking the time to join us. Congratulations again. And thank you for for sharing your experience as an NYU alumna. Thank you so much for having me. This has been an absolute pleasure and support theater when it's back. That's all I ask people is continue to go support theater. And thank you again so much for having me today. If you want to learn more about the services that are offered at the Wasserman Center, you can log onto our career portal, Handshake, through your NYU homepage. Today's episode was hosted by Sarah Rosenthal with episode guest, Catherine Markowitz. We're produced by Miriam Miller and Lily Smith, edited by Lily Smith, and created with support from Nia Beresford, Danielle Crystal, Dana Rosa, Haley Garofalo, Diana Mendez, Joseph Mercadante, and Carrie Pannoni. That's all in a day's work. Thanks for listening.